So today is the second week of Advent. We've got two candles lit. And in the season of Advent, Advent is all about preparing for the coming of Christ. It's getting ourselves spiritually ready and prepared for the coming of the Messiah. Now, some of you might think that, you know, preparing for Christmas means buying presents, wrapping presents, setting up decorations, going to that Christmas party. But in the church, preparing for Christmas is a spiritual practice where you are spiritually preparing your heart for the presence of Christ to come into our lives once again, right? And so we prepare ourselves that Jesus is about to be here. Now in this series, we've been looking through, uh, we're going to be looking through portions throughout the scriptures that anticipate the coming of a Messiah, now, sometimes those, those scriptures, they don't seem very Christmassy, okay, to our ears. But if you remember that what Christmas is truly about is about the, the time that the birth child God has, has arrived, you'll see that the scriptures throughout have actually been hinting and whispering and pointing all over the place to this coming Christ, this coming Messiah, this, this one who is going to come and set up this new kingdom. And that's why we're calling this series Unexpected Places, because many of the places in the Bible that we don't normally think of as pointing us to Christmas are about the fact that there is one who is coming. Now today, we're taking a look at, this, at a prophecy, an incredible prophecy, where that ultimately, is, you'll see, is fulfilled through Christmas. This prophecy is given by a guy named Moses, okay? Some of you, perhaps, you know a little bit about Moses. Some of you, maybe you don't, whatever. But Moses, he lived roughly 1,300 years or so before Jesus was born, okay? 1,300 years or so before, before the, the birth of Jesus. And we don't have enough time this morning to dive deep into Moses' story. But there's a few things that I do want you to know about Moses up front, Okay? Here's the first. Moses knows what it's like to make a mistake that changes his life. If you're curious, what he does is he ends up killing a guy and he has to flee the country as a result. Moses knows what it's like to make a mistake, and that mistake ultimately transforms the rest of his life. Moses also knows what it feels like to not belong, to not feel like he fits in. Maybe you feel that way before? Moses, he was born a Hebrew, but he was raised by Egyptians, and then he married a foreigner. And so no matter what group he was in, he always felt like he wasn't quite fully in. Moses also, he, he knows what it's like to feel stuck. Ever felt like you're spinning your wheels, not going anywhere, no matter what you do? Moses, he knows what that's like. He, he wandered around as a shepherd for 40 years. And then later on in his life, he'd wander around the wilderness for another 40 years. He's done a lot of wandering in his life. And if you've ever felt that way before, then you and Moses have something in common. And, and that's, that's why I bring that up, is because this season of the year, for whatever reason, can tend to bring those types of feelings up in us, whether we realize that they're there or not, right? This, it's like out of nowhere, for some reason, during this time of the year, we start to feel like our mistakes are just highlighted or magnified even more. We start to notice when we don't belong in this family or that friend group. We start to feel like we're more stuck than we realize as we come towards the end of the year. All of the celebrations remind us of our mistakes. All of the gatherings feel like we don't really have any intimate relationships. All of the busyness of the season just reminds us that we don't know where we're really going with our lives. Now, we're going to come back to these topics in a bit. We're going to be coming back to some of these topics in a little bit. But before we do, I want you to know that Moses knows what it's like. And we're about to hear some of Moses' words. Now, before we do, 
I want to invite you to go to God with me as we pray and ask God to speak through his words so that we can hear what he has to say to us today. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to us. That as we are about to hear the word that you have given us, might you prepare our hearts to receive what you have to teach us today. Lord, if we feel convicted, would you lead us to confession? If we feel challenged, would you lead us to, uh, to courage? If we need to be comforted in the midst of the stress and fears of our lives, Lord, would you please draw near to us so that we might know you are God and you are with us. Lord, speak through your word. And may we hear it afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy, it's the fifth book in the entire Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 18. I encourage you to follow along if you want to in your pew Bibles or listen up, or, or up on the screen. Uh, but either way, listen attentively to Deuteronomy chapter 18. We're going to be starting with verse 14. And the text that I'm going to, be, we're going to read, it might sound strange at first, but don't worry. We're going to walk through this text together. Deuteronomy chapter 18, starting with verse 14. The nations that you will dispossess, listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. The Lord said to me, What they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. This is God's word. Now, as I said, what I just read, it might sound a little strange, a little confusing. What in the world did we just read? Well, what we read, as I said, it comes from the book of Deuteronomy. And the book of Deuteronomy is giving us this picture of what the Israelites are about to do right before they enter the promised land. They're on the edge of the promised land. You see, before... They were living as slaves in another country, in the nation of Egypt. They were slaves, and God called Moses to be the guy who was going to lead them out of slavery and into this new land, into this promised land. And so before they enter the land, okay, they've, they've traveled a long way, and they finally, they're on the edge of this land that God is about to send them in. Before they enter in, Moses stands up, and he gives this epic speech to all the people of Israel, all right? And the book of Deuteronomy is that speech. And so the words that we just read, we just read a small sliver of Moses' grand speech to the Israelites. And so what we read was Moses speaking. Okay, this was Moses talking, explaining things to the Israelites. He, and what we specifically saw there at the beginning of verse, uh, verse 14, we saw Moses in his speech telling Israel that they are going to be a nation that is different. They are going to look differently, act differently, think differently than all of the other nations around them. And specifically, what he's talking about in this section is that they are going to connect with the divine. They are going to connect with the spiritual realm. They are going to connect with God differently than other nations. Other nations try to connect to the spiritual realm through sorcery, through divination, through witchcraft, and other types of practices. 
But Moses says, and you, if you're still looking at the text, you'll see this. He says, not us. Other nations are going to try to connect to God through these other practices, but that's not how we will. We are not going to practice those types of things. Which then leads to this question. Well, okay, if we're not going to try to connect to the spiritual realm through, through sorcery or witchcraft, well, then how are we, the Israelites, how are we going to connect to God? And Moses' answer is somewhat straightforward. He says, we're going to connect to God through prophets. We are going to connect to God. We are going to be a nation. We are going to be a people who is connected to the spiritual realm, connected to the, to the God of the universe through prophets. Now in the Bible, a prophet is someone who acted as God's representative by communicating God's word and God's desires to the people. All right? A prophet represents and acts as God's representative to the people. He speaks God's desires, or, or she, he or she speaks God's desires or words to the people of Israel on God's behalf. And so the Israelites will connect to God not through magic, not through sorcery, not through witchcraft, but through the word of God given to his prophets. That's how the nation of Israel will connect to God, through the word of God given to his prophets. Now, up until this point in Israel's history, there was really one primary prophet, and it was Moses. Moses was God's primary prophet to his people. And in fact, in verse 16, if you're still following along, in verse 16, Moses recalls the time when this got set up, if you will. He recalls the time when the people came to Moses and they begged him to please be our prophet. He says in verse 16, this is what you asked of the Lord your God. This is Moses speaking. This is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb, that's a mountain, uh, on the day of the assembly when you said, and he's quoting the people here, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. All right, here's what Moses is talking about, okay? Because we, we weren't there, so he, he's quoting this, and we're like, well, what's he talking about, right? But the people of Israel, I mean, they, they were there, and so they, they're remembering, oh, yes, that's, we did say that. This is all in Deuteronomy chapter 5, by the way. If you want to go read it for yourself, you can go just flip all the way back to chapter 5 and you'll learn a lot more. Right after God gave the Israelites his law, he spoke directly to them through this fiery mountaintop, Mount Horeb, all right? And the, so what this means is the people of Israel literally hear the voice of God coming from a mountain of fire. Okay, if that sounds a bit freaky, it's because it is. And the Israelites are also freaked out at this event. They're terrified. Here they are gathering at this mountain. The mountain has this massive fire on the top, and they hear the voice of God coming from this fire. They're terrified. They realize that they are hearing the voice of the very one who called the universe into existence in the first place. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine actually hearing the audible voice of God booming from this fiery mountain? They're horrified and terrified beyond belief. They can't handle it. And so they actually come to Moses and they beg Moses. They say, Moses, we can't handle listening to God's voice. Can you do it for us? You go and listen to God and tell us everything that he says. Here's what they say. This is in chapter 5, verse 27. They say, you, Moses, you go near and listen to all that the Lord our God says, and then you tell us whatever the Lord our God tells you. We will listen and obey. 
And so Moses takes on this incredible role of being this person who is listening to God and then communicating to the people what God says. Moses is a prophet. He is the prophet. But then right here in the very edge of the promised land, we're now at Deuteronomy 18, Moses says, look, someday it's not going to be me. Someday I'm not going to be the one speaking to you what God's words are. Someday God is going to raise up somebody else to be a prophet like me. Verse 15, right? He says, the Lord your God will one day raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. You must listen to him. Now notice, this is important. Moses does not just say that God will someday raise up a prophet to take his place. What does he say? He says, God will raise up a prophet like me. God will raise up a prophet like me. Which begs the question, well, what does a prophet like Moses mean? How do we know that a prophet is functioning as a prophet like Moses? Well, the truth is it means a lot of things, but we're going to focus on just two this morning, okay? Two things that are very um, that, 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 that display what it means to be a prophet like Moses. So here's the first thing. Moses' relationship with God, his, his, as, as a, not only as a prophet, but in many other ways as well, Moses' relationship with God was arguably more intimate than, than, with, than any other person in the Old Testament had with God. Here's what I mean. In Exodus 33, this is what it describes how Moses had a relationship with God. It says, the Lord would speak to Moses face-to-face as one speaks to a what? A friend, right? So Moses has this radical, powerful, but yet intimate relationship with God, more so than anybody else. In all of the Old Testament, Moses has this deep, intimate relationship with God, so much so that he can speak to God face-to-face, and God considers Moses his friend. Second, Moses' prophetic work leads the people of Israel out of slavery and into freedom. And this is the entire book of Exodus, if you want to go read that. And so those are two characteristics that we're going to focus on. First, Moses' prophetic work is one that is based out of intimacy with God, and his prophetic work leads people out of slavery and into freedom. Moses' prophetic, I'm going to repeat them, his prophetic work is based on intimacy with God, and secondly, his prophetic work leads people out of slavery and into freedom. And so right here in Deuteronomy 18, Moses is making this sort of cryptic prediction that someday there's going to be another prophet raised up by God that's going to lead the people in the same way that he does, that this person is going to have such deep intimacy with God and is going to lead the people into freedom. And all the people can do is wait for this prophet to arrive. When will this prophet come who's going to have such radical, deep intimacy with God and be able to also lead us into freedom? Well, the people just wait. And in time, what happens is Moses dies and the Israelites, they enter into the promised land. God raises up more prophets. He raises up more leaders. But none of them are a prophet like Moses. Generations pass. The Israelites, eventually, they set up this monarchy. They have a king on the throne. Uh, the, the kings, they actually hire prophets for their staff. And some prophets like Nathan and Isaiah, they were paid to be a prophet. Other times, the kings and the great 
uh, monarchies of Israel are confronted by prophets, like people like Elijah or Amos. They come to the monarchy and they call them to account, but none are a prophet like Moses. Well, over time, the, the Israelites, they disobey God. They get sent into exile. And even when they're in exile, God still sends them prophets. He sends them prophets like Ezekiel and Daniel. And they experience hope when they hear these, these, these prophets speaking to them. And, and then eventually they're able to come back and live in Jerusalem once more. They begin to rebuild their temple and rebuild their city. God still sends them prophets. People like Haggai and Zechariah come and prophesy to the people. But none of them are a prophet like Moses. The people are still waiting. Who is this prophet like Moses that God has promised to one day raise up and send to us his people? Until one day, the people of Israel, they, they hear this, this rumor about this guy who is hanging out down by the Jordan River, and he's preaching. He's preaching this bold message about repenting and, and how the kingdom of God is coming. And he's telling people to, to, to repent and then baptizing them right there and then in the river. He's a bit eccentric. They're like, he, he wears camel skin. He eats locusts for, for, for breakfast. And his name is John. And everybody's wondering, could it be him? Maybe he's the guy. Maybe he's the one that God promised to be the prophet like Moses. Could it be him? And so they go and they ask him. Check, check this out. This is the very beginning of the Gospel of John. It says, John 1, starting with verse 19. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. He says, I am not the Messiah. So the people ask him, well, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He says, no, I am not. And then what do they ask next? Are you the prophet? Do you notice it's not a prophet? Are you the prophet? He answers, no. <laughs> and even John the Baptist admits, no, I am not a prophet like Moses. He goes on to explain that his job is just to prepare the way for the guy who is. In other words, says John, the prophet like Moses, he's coming. He's on his way. He's almost here. So who is it? You guessed it. The New Testament overwhelmingly declares that the prophet like Moses is Jesus. The birth of Jesus is the coming of the prophet like Moses entering into this world and becoming a part of the people of Israel from his own nation to rise, to, to rise up and ultimately lead the people once more. Now there's dozens of amazing similarities between the life of Moses and the life of Jesus. And we're not going to be able to explore them all today, but I'm going to show you one. I want to show you one that's a pretty cool connection between the life of Jesus and the life of Moses that is trying to overwhelmingly emphasize that yes, Jesus, the boy who was born in a manger, is indeed the prophet like Moses. And one, the place we're going to take a look at comes from a story that's traditionally called the Transfiguration. Okay? The Transfiguration. So what's going on here is Jesus is, le is leading his disciples, and at one point, he takes three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, up on a mountain. And when they get to the top of the mountain... This is what happens. Mark 9. 
Then Jesus was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and who? Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Now what happens in this story is the disciples, Peter, James, and John, are absolutely terrified. They're seeing who Jesus really is. Like the cloak is being fully pulled back. This is who I am, says Jesus. And they're afraid. They're terrified. It's, they're, they're sort of just as terrified as the, as the Israelites were when they heard the voice of God speak to them from on top of a mountain. And then this is what happens next. Verse 7. A cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, the voice of God. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Yet again, the voice of God speaks directly to his people. And what does it tell the disciples to do? They say, he says, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Now, if you, if you, maybe you're starting to connect the dots. Why does God tell the disciples to listen to Jesus? They've been listening to him, right? He said, hey, follow me up this mountain, and they did. They were listening to him. They've been following him for years. Some of them dropped their nets and literally walked away from their livelihoods in order to follow Jesus. They've been listening to him. Why does God need to emphasize to these disciples that they need to listen to Jesus? Shouldn't they already know that? Shouldn't they have already been doing that? So what's going on here? God is telling these disciples, confirming to these disciples that Jesus is indeed the prophet like Moses. Why? Do you remember what Moses said about this coming prophet? Let's take a look at it again. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. What did Moses tell the people to do? The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. What does Moses then say? You must listen to him. Now, that might not sound like it's a lot to you, but put yourself in the shoes of a first century Jewish person. You're living in the first century, and you climb a mountain, you hear the voice of God, and that voice of God says, listen to him. Your mind is instantly going to be going back to the stories of Moses, who, by the way, is standing right there in front of you talking to Jesus. And it's not going to take much for you to realize that what God is trying to communicate and declare to you is that this man, Jesus, my son, is also the prophet like Moses, the prophet that I had promised to raise up who is going to be a prophet like Moses. And what that then means is that this man, Jesus, is going to somehow have a deeper, more intimate relationship with God than any other person, and that he is somehow, through his ministry, going to lead his people out of slavery and into freedom. And if all of that is true, and if Jesus is indeed the prophet like Moses, then the only proper response is to listen to him. If the Israelites are wanting to know what it means to have intimacy with God, if they want to feel connected to God, if they want to connect with who God is, listen to Jesus. If they want to experience what it means to find freedom, if they want to discover what it means to finally get rid of the chains that are holding them back, then listen to Jesus. And Jesus, like Moses, he was once a fugitive when he was a kid. Jesus, like Moses, spent time wandering around in the wilderness. 
Jesus, like Moses, displays this radical and intimate connection with God that no one had ever witnessed before. So much so that Jesus is one of the first people in history to start referring to God as his Father. He says in John 12, I did not speak on my own, but it's my Father who sent me and commanded me to say all that I have spoken. Talk about a deep, intimate relationship that I can communicate with God the same way that I communicate to a father. And later on in chapter 14, Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is the one who connects us to God. Jesus is the one who reveals who what God is like. If you want to know what God is like, if you want to know what God says, you look and listen to Jesus. Now, some of you might be sitting there thinking, okay, this is interesting, this is fascinating, but how in the world does that help my life right now? How in the world does that help me in the 21st century? If Jesus is indeed the prophet like Moses, then that means that it is only he and he alone who can offer you and I true connection with God and true freedom in our lives. You know, speaking of freedom, this is the time of the year that a lot of us are reminded that we're not as free as we think we are. And I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about our souls. I'm talking about the deepest part of who we are. For some reason, this time of the year can remind us that we are not as free as we think we are. This season tends to remind us of the the mistakes that we've made in our past. Maybe those mistakes, they keep coming back to haunt you. Can't seem to get rid of them. This time of the year, maybe, maybe the alcohol is just emphasized and can't seem to get rid of it. The gambling or the porn is just ruining your life. It's ruining your marriage. It's ruining your relationships. Maybe the fear of never having enough just continues to overwhelm you and you just feel like you can't get away from it? For many of us, our lives are being controlled and we don't even realize it. We're controlled by our addictions, controlled by our anxieties, controlled by our fear or our hatred or our bitterness. Listen, if you're angry at somebody right now and you've been holding on to that anger for a long time, guess what? That anger is controlling you. You're not free. You're you're letting anger towards another person dictate how you make your decisions and live your life. You're not free. But true freedom only comes through turning your life to Jesus and listening to him. Only Christ can set you free. Sure, Moses led the Israelites out of slavery and into freedom, but it's only Christ who can lead you out of slavery to sin and into freedom for new life. Take a look at what it says in Acts 13. I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. and Everyone who believes is set free from every sin a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. If you right now don't feel free, I urge you, I I compel you, I implore you, turn to Jesus. 
listen to him and discover how his grace and his mercy and his love can set you free. But for others of you, you might not feel, you might feel free, but perhaps this time of the year instead makes you feel stuck. You know, everything on the surface seems okay. You love your family, work's going well, finances are good, but inside, you just feel off. You just feel like you don't quite belong wherever it is that you go. Something feels like it's missing, and you don't know what it is. You feel like you don't belong no matter where you go. Deep down, you just are longing for something deeper. You're longing for more, and you can't even articulate what that longing is. You may not realize it, but what that longing tends to be is a longing for deep intimacy with God. Nothing in life is going to satisfy that longing for intimacy with God until you have discovered a deep and intimate relationship with the God who made you. Don't think that going to church is going to satisfy that longing. It's not. The only thing that's going to satisfy that longing is in discovering a deep and intimate relationship with God. And how do we discover a deep and intimate relationship with God? By turning to the prophet who is like Moses, Jesus. The one who has more intimacy with God than anyone else. When we we turn to Jesus and discover that he loves you personally, that you are loved, regardless of what you've done or who you are or where you came from, you are loved by Jesus. We saw earlier that Moses held such a deep relationship with God that God actually called Moses a friend, that he talked to him as a friend. Well, through Christ, you can also experience what it means to have friendship with God. You can also discover what it means for Jesus to call you his friend. Take a look at what Jesus himself says in John 15. He says to his disciples and to you and I, you are my friends if you do what I command. You can have such incredible deep intimacy with me. You can have an incredible relationship and connection with the God of the universe. You can be my friend. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business is. But instead, I call you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Now, I want you to take a look at verse 14 again. Take a look at the very first verse. You are my friends if you do what I command. That's another way of saying, you are my friends if you listen to Jesus. Listen to me and turn your life to me and you will discover deep, intimate friendship with God. Listen to Jesus and he will lead you into freedom, true, true, lasting freedom from all sin. And so friends, this Advent, commit yourself. Commit yourself to listening to Jesus. Because he is indeed the prophet like Moses who came into this world to set us free from sin and to to discover intimacy with God.